0: Thanks for tuning in to The Collective Voice. I'm your host, Raisha Clark. Hey, hey lovelies, it's Raisha and I'm here with another podcast. I'm really excited and I know I say that all the time that I'm really excited to be doing this next podcast, but if you guys have a chance to talk to amazing people every single day like I do about their unique stories and journeys, you would probably be just as excited as I am. So today's podcast is unique in that we have a mama here that's going to share some light on her story with a child that has learning and emotional disabilities. Um, You know, it's not that it's been that recent where, well, it's, okay, let me just rephrase that. It has been in the last, you know, maybe decade that we have really seen services just really step up their game for kids that have learning disabilities. It was something that if it wasn't caught at school, it just wasn't caught. There weren't really a lot of resources. And now, um, you know, slow and steady with the implement uh, implementation of IEPs and really making sure that we have an inclusive classroom, students are really starting to be identified as needing some extra services. And so I'm really grateful that Christy is here today to shed some light on that. So Christy, let's just dive on in, girlfriend. How are you? I am good. Thank you so much for
1: having me. i thrilled to be here.
0: I am so excited. I am so excited. Yeah, you know, you you and I were talking a little earlier just about our stories and our journeys, and I'm like, you know, this is such an authentic conversation. I just I just wish we were recording all of this because, you know, we were going back and forth about just how life is not always as peachy as, you know, people will assume it is, and, you know, like at the time of this recording, it's October, and so it's Down Syndrome Awareness Month, and so one of the things that I saw on a Mommy's post is that not all Down syndrome kids are happy all the time. And I'm like, praise the Lord. You know, I mean, somebody gets it. Because, I mean, you just have these stereotypes that are thrown out there. You know, you're just like, oh, God, where have you been? No, that's, that's mm-hmm. still not our life. Do you want to come and live in our life more now where I can show you? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. There's
1: a lot of disillusion over, you know, what people think the home lives are for people who have special needs kids.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's why I'm glad I have you to kind of just shed some light on what it is for you. You know, I've had some guests that had little ones with physical and uh, developmental disabilities. But for you, your story is pretty unique. And so I want to just kind of pick your brain and, and talk a little bit. So just dive on in. Tell me about your little one and her diagnosis. Oh Well, plural.
1: <laughs> well um my I, at this point i have a nine-year-old daughter mm-hmm. and uh she has uh the following we have adhd
0: mm-hmm.
1: we have spd and for those of you your listeners who don't know what that is sensory processing disorder or um sometimes referred to as sensory integration disorder mm-hmm. she has dmdd which is disruptive Uh, mood uh, dysregulation disorder Mm -hmm. Um, it's kind of a nice way to phrase uh, a common mood problem that sometimes looks like bipolar but they're so young you can't tell and sometimes it's hypersensitivity that comes along with the attention deficit um, disorder Mm -hmm. Um, and then we have a couple of uh, learning struggles um, where we have dysgraphia And for those of your listeners who don't know what that is, dysgraphia is where it is difficult for a child to take the information that their brain is processing at a bazillion miles a minute and actually capture those ideas in a sequence that they can physically write them down onto a piece of paper, um, which makes uh, education uh, very interesting yeah and then we have <laughs> then we have dyslexia, which is more common um, where people understand that it's uh, uh you know switching of letters um being confused on um, when you read there actually will read things forward and and backwards and incorrectly um it has a lot to do with phonics uh, understanding and processing um, so and there is a potential right now where we have some issues with what's known as this calcula, which is having a concept of numbers. Um, my daughter is very good about going forward in numbers, but cannot go backwards in numbers, which mm-hmm. makes subtraction um, very, very difficult.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> it makes that, makes that particular work very long. <laughs> so, but yeah. it doesn't mean we can't overcome. It just means that it takes us a while. So yeah. those are our struggles.
0: I gotcha. And so it seems as though, you know, these probably all didn't come at her nine-year-old well-baby appointment and your doctor's like, she has ADHD, SDPD. you know, I mean, I'm sure this was a journey. So shed some light. When, When did you start to say, hmm, I might need to talk to the doctor about this behavior or her not doing this?
1: well um i actually knew that we were in for something interesting when she was 18 months old oh
0: um
1: but yes uh the behaviors that we were seeing even at that time were much more extreme than what you would see in a typical 18 month old child
0: Mm, unfortunately
1: when you tell a pediatrician uh, that your 18 month old is doing these various behaviors they look at you cross-eyed like well that's just a that's just an 18 month old child Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, you know, uh, that and I'm sure that all of you women out there who are listening, you know, when you when your mama gets that gut feeling and you just know what's mm-hmm. happening with your baby, yeah. it don't matter what they tell you, you know.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
1: so I said, mm-hmm. you think that that's the case? So we blundered along until she was three and a half. And. At three and a half, uh, we had put her into a a preschool environment because she needed to be socialized with other kids. She's an only child. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to make sure that we were exposing her to uh, those types of situations. Well, it got to be so bad at preschool that um, they eventually asked us to leave. Um, Oh. So, yes, Uh, my daughter has been asked to leave three different schools by the time she was seven years old with a child in school carries the weight, you know, of their kids' behavior and and work ethic at school.
0: Absolutely, you know, yeah. I mean, so, we all
1: like to think that they don't, but...
0: Right, yeah, but no, we're <laughs> mamas. We know how that goes. So what was it that was getting her kicked out? Was it behavior? Was it a, a learning thing? Was it just not really adapting well? It was definitely a case of where sh- her behaviors
1: were extreme and to the point that she was aggressive. Mm,
0: and gotcha. okay. when,
1: when you're aggressive with other kids, there's a safety issue involved. And, and I don't fault the school for that
0: Absolutely. at all. Okay. Um,
1: we were able to finally get to a psychiatrist. And mm-hmm. that's when the first of the two, the ADHD and the sensory processing disorder came out.
0: Good. So okay. we were
1: able to at least work on that mm-hmm. um the The mood part of it did not come until much later at age six. So it was another two years before the mood part of that came out, and we could start working on coping skills and other types of medications to help regulate mood
0: mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
1: which has been you know. 50% effective based on the other things that we've done at home to actually help reinforce that as well. So, um, and then the other disability or the struggles of, of the learning, those all started to come after first grade. We okay. start to see, you know, those struggles of not being able to be able to formulate thought on paper, struggles with number line kind of things and the switching of, of letters and the backwards reading and so on and so forth.
0: Okay, so it doesn't seem as though you were necessarily surprised by her diagnosis, maybe the ADHD or the SPD. but what about the learning disabilities? Were those, did those kind of catch you off guard? Um, I, and to be honest
1: with you, the, the learning struggles for me are less uh, frustrating than the sensory processing disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, and the reason I say that, and I talk about it in my my book a bit, where a lot of her anxiety um, that she struggles with is comes out as tactile defensiveness. So you know, you, there's a lot of kids that have trouble wearing socks, mm-hmm. uh, tags, so on mm-hmm. and so forth. Well, yeah. we went through a period of time where we could not wear anything at uh, all on our body. Gotcha. And. And it kind of comes around, and, and watching a child go into the spiral over what they're putting on their body, like it physically hurts them, I have a much harder time wrapping my head around mm-hmm. um, just because it's not something that, that I've actually ever experienced. Yeah. Whereas, you know, struggling with math or you know, writing a paper or, you know, something like that is for me, you know, you know, I didn't have those same struggles, I could still understand, you know, having to work hard at math for example, or, or, you know, trying to get this paper the way that it's supposed to be and I can't figure out how I want to say what I want to say and,
0: mm-hmm. you know, so
1: on and so forth. So mm-hmm. those actually were a lot easier for me.
0: I gotcha. So, you know, I was, I was going to ask you, what, is, what does life look like now um, that you have, we have the diagnosis on paper, we have a plan in place, what does life look like? And you just alluded to some of the early struggles with Hmm. Today we're not wearing clothes because I said so. It's not happening. I mean, I'm sure those first couple of occurrences were just mind boggling. You know how did how did you process that? How did you cope? Well, in the early days, I really didn't. Mm-hmm. To be honest, yeah, I fell
1: myself into a, a little dark box of depression, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of that is because as a mom. I felt like I'd failed my kid. Right, yeah. I felt as though I was a bad parent. I felt like I couldn't figure out how to help her in any way. Why wouldn't she listen? Right. It it made no sense to me. Mm -hmm. And so at the very beginning, it was really, really, really bad for all of us. Yeah. Um, Our house was kind of upside down on a pretty much everyday basis. She would has a cycle that she kind of goes into, which is I'm happy. And then something makes me mad and I get frustrated and then I get aggressive and then I get really, really sad. And then I crash because I'm so exhausted from the whole process. Right. And then I wake up and I'm happy and I repeat the cycle mm-hmm. and this would go on. And these cycles are not cycles that last five minutes, people.
0: Right, <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. we're
1: talking about a cycle when, when they were at her, their worst They would last for hours, hours. Yeah. So you're listening to this little person struggling, screaming at you, throwing things at you for hours on end it wears on you very,
0: very quickly. Yeah, absolutely it does. You know, and I appreciate you being transparent that it was a struggle for you. You know, I was telling you earlier, I wanted to have a podcast like this because I hear my clients tell me in session some of the same same things that they're just not really coping well and they didn't really feel like they had a safe place to say that besides the little box of my office you know because the real world says that you're a bad mama if you're depressed or sad or anything whenever your child is behaving in a way that society says is it normal so Mm -hmm. i appreciate you sharing a bit on that because a lot of people suffer in silence thinking that they really just don't have an outlet and something is wrong with them as the parent. And it's just the circumstance and the situation is frustrating, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with you as the parent.
1: No, and it wasn't until I started to have a couple of shifts. Um, And the first shift I had to do was that um, I had to see that my daughter was not being defiant or bad because of my parenting techniques. It was because she was struggling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had to meet her that she was having an emotional situation that was causing this other behavior. And that's how she was trying to communicate her struggle to me.
0: Right. And
1: I was misunderstanding the struggle. That was mm-hmm. my first shift. I
0: love that. The second
1: shift that I had to make is that, I had to crawl out of my box of depression, and I had to be strong enough as a person to fight for her,
0: not with her. Mm. Wow, Christy. Say that one more time just for emphasis because that's pretty powerful. Because I had to be able to not fight with
1: her, but fight for her.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Thanks. when we look at our children outside of their diagnosis and just remember that they are a child, they are little people that really need us, we, we can kind of pull ourselves up from the bootstraps and be like, okay, game on. But if we get so bogged down with the diagnosis, with the label, with the behavior, oh, we could stay in that dark box for a really long time. Mm-hmm. It's a very easy place for us to cast off mm-hmm.
1: everything that your child does as, as part of that diagnosis. And like you said, we have to remember that they're a child on yeah. top of this. Yeah. It's layered. Mm-hmm. So no matter, even if you were to strip away those diagnoses, you still have normal kid tendencies.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you
1: know, they're still going to backtalk. They're yep. still going to test your patients. They're still not going to want to pick up their shoes. Yeah. I mean, exactly. that's just the normal life, right? <laughs> but the problem is, is that when we have a diagnosis on the table, then we're like, oh, it's the diagnosis talking.
0: Right. That's what's
1: happening here. I want to fix this diagnosis. Uh huh. Oh, I got news for you. It ain't going to fly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just kids being kids. That is I mean, and, and I think, One of the things that people don't realize, and I wish that they would spend more time understanding the true development of of children, is that, guys, your child does not even build a conscious memory until after the age of seven. You can tell your four-year-old 15 million times to do something, and guess what? (laughs) Not going to (laughs) remember. Yeah. Stop trying to make yourself crazy by repeating
0: yourself. Uh
1: Understand that they have the attention span of a net because that's where they are developmentally.
0: Yeah, that's it. Yep, that is so
1: true. Yeah. We as parents have had the opportunity for our brains to completely finish growing.
0: They don't right.
1: stop growing until mid-20s. Right. Guess what? That's why your teenager is going to make you crazy.
0: Yep. That You know, and it's, it's <laughs> so true. I love that you said that because I I know that from my research, and you've obviously had, you know, a lot to research with your, with your daughter's diagnosis, but, you know, if our cognitive abilities aren't really set and in place and functioning at their full capacity until a, about 24 to 26, Mm -hmm. oh my goodness, we cannot expect for our kids to really be functioning and making really good choices all the time because the brain's just don't have the capacity to do it. Most of the time, they can do pretty good, but there's going to be those moments, like you said, especially those teenagers where you're like, "Do you have a brain, child? Are you are you kidding <laughs> me?" You know, it's like I'm on little person. You should know better. It's like, well, I should, I might, but really, you know, my ability to really just process this in an appropriate way, yeah, I still have a few years before I have to be required to do that. You know, and I made the mistake of telling my 14 year old this, and so she's like cognitive development just saying i'm like oh you know that's the downside of having a parent that's a therapist and a kid that's smart uh-huh. cause it's like oh boy yeah you you threw that one right back in my face you know so anyway <laughs> it's like no more reading mommy's books no more eavesdropping on mommy's <laughs> podcast no 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 like this no
1: <laughs> and you know, and I think that that's hysterical at the same time because it, you know regardless if, if it's neurotypical or not neurotypical you know kids are a lot smarter than we give them credit for. You know, the intelligence a lot of times is there. And sometimes it just gets masked by those disconnect moments of the brain and the behavior doesn't come out the way.
0: Right. they're smart yeah 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 that's a very good point yeah the intellect is there it's just how do we process all of this goodness that we know that's the hiccup that's where it's like okay yeah you're still a child because you might know the book has taught you however you are having problems processing what you learned in a book that's how i know you're mm-hmm. not there yet so yeah that's a very good point to to put there. Um, so, okay, when did life start simmering down a little bit for you? So, we got the last diagnosis around 6 or 7 with the learning disabilities because we were in school. So, when did life start to settle down or has it? Has it, you know, she's 9 now. So, what's life looked like the last 2 years? Well, we've had we've had a
1: dramatic improvement. Oh, um goodness. and it took, and I'll be honest with all of you parents, it takes a lot of our hard work. Yeah. For our kids.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. it
1: it takes a lot of our sacrifice and we have to be the catalysts okay you know i love all of the other partners that we get like therapists and occupational therapists and speech therapists and psychiatrists and psychologists they're mm-hmm. part of our support team but we are the drivers of the bus people <laughs> yeah that's it you that's know?
0: absolutely right yeah
1: and and so we 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 did a lot of different things um And we worked on so many different areas. I mean, we basically looked at every aspect of our life and and the things she was exposed to, and we started making changes in a positive way. And because of that, I can tell you, and I still track it to this day, um, that we have gone from hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of meltdowns when she was little Mm -hmm. to having spans of days without those hiccups.
0: That's Awesome. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's good. I mean, for the whole family dynamic, that's awesome. Good. Yep. Um. We've
1: gone from, you know, not being able to follow directions to being able to follow directions. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been able to... Um, yeah, we still have sleep cycle issues. Like, you know, we still have growing kids. And anyone who's got kids knows that, guess what? When they're growing, their sleep cycle is out of whack. Mm-hmm. But overall, we've been able to go from a child, from the from the time she was born, never being able to sleep more than six hours, to averaging 11 and a half hours of sleep.
0: Oh, good, good, good. Her growing body needs that. Good.
1: You know, I mean, and you know, and a lot of people just don't look at all those different aspects of life and all, they all play in.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you know? and, absolutely. And,
1: and so at, now that we've changed those things, I can tell you that, you know, we have really great, good days. Mm-hmm. Are they still exhausting? Yes, because it's me. at <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. You know, so do I get, still get tired because I don't get a break? You bet. Yeah. But I'm not in the, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm in a battle zone anymore.
0: Good. You know, Good. I feel
1: like we're in a place where we're growing because now the challenges that we present, you know, we're ready to take on. Mm. So,
0: yeah. So it seems like you did a lot of growing as a mom um, in all of this. Is that kind of what prompted you to write this book? Um, where did that come from? At what point you're like, you know what, I've got to put this journey on paper.
1: Well, what was really interesting is that as I was going through this, um, I didn't. Um, I have a very supportive family. Mm-hmm. The downside is that they're all far away from me. Oh, gotcha. And so I did not have their physical presence available very often,
0: mm-hmm. and that
1: left the the burden on my husband and and, and myself. And so um, I used Facebook. I'll be honest, as a kind of a crutch for my local esque kind of of support people and even people who who are far away, they were following our journey and they kept, you know, saying things like, you know, you've inspired me to do this and you've inspired me to do that. And I didn't really think that that that's what I was doing. I was feeling like I was trying to survive, right? you know? Mm -hmm. And so those comments started to come. And then I started getting messages from people that were friends of friends that had a child with, you know, issues. Mm
0: -hmm. And they
1: were like, Hey, I need to pick your brain. I need your help. And so eventually the tap on the shoulder, and I'm a spiritual person, I felt like God tapped me on the shoulder, and he said, Christy, this is what I want you to do. You need to put this journey into a book, and you need to share it and help anyone who picks up this book.
0: Oh, awesome. And I
1: said, okay, God, I'll listen. You've gotten me this far. You've saved my life more than three times that I I know of. Um, <laughs> Thus, yeah. I will listen to you and I will write this book. And that, it took me two years mm-hmm. <laughs> to do it. Yeah. But, yeah. We, but we got it.
0: So. Awesome. Okay. Tell me the title because I, I have it written down, but it's Making Sense of Munchkin, right?
1: Yes. It okay. is Making Sense of Munchkin, A Mother's Journey to Calm with a Special Needs Child
0: love it and where can we find this book hopefully you have it on amazon
1: i do it's actually available on amazon in both a print form for those of you who like a physical book like i do
0: yep me too. Um, and uh-huh. it's
1: available for um you know any android or kindle download so for those of you who like to read on your tablets it's available that way as well
0: oh Perfect. Yay. So I will put a link in my show notes. That way anybody can go and and check out your book. Because I think, you know, the more resources that we have, the better. Right. And sometimes Mm -hmm. you know, it'll come in the form of a good girlfriend and a bottle of booze. Or it'll come (laughs) in well, I mean, let's just be real. You know, I mean sometimes we just need to vent and get stuff off our chest. But then other times like we just kinda want to go to our quiet place and to have the ability to pick up a book like yours and read another mother's journey and think, Okay, I can relate or ooh, I'm glad my circumstance isn't like that, you know, because oftentimes, (laughs) whether we want to admit it or not, we're like, oh, thank you, God, I'm so glad that is not my testimony, you know, and we actually yeah. lift ourselves up because we're just thankful that we don't have those same struggles. So, you know, it's nice that you have actually put down on pen and paper and in print, something that people can turn to because I love reading. I love books. I'm one of those. I like to smell of the pages and, all of that, like I'm just like old school, like closet librarian, you know. So anyway, love books in print, and sometimes I just, you know, I I want to have something that I can just kind of relate to and feel like me and the author are having a moment together. And so, you know, your book really kind of allows that for readers. So I'm I'm really glad I'll be able to share that to my listeners as well.
1: Well, and I think the one thing that's um that I think I'm most proud of with this is, is, one, I mean, it was very difficult for me to write. Um, and it's got a lot of candor. There's uh, as it, as our conversation, I, am not afraid to hide, you know, and I don't tame down what our story looks like, Mm -hmm. but, but it's, but the story is layered. So it's not only a story. I actually, there's a lot of of good reference in here because it tells you every single thing that we did. And there are things that parents can do right now, to start taking control of the situation in their house and become empowered to help their kids. So the entire back half of the book is all of those wonderful tips and techniques and, and things to put in your parenting toolbox just so that you can you know, put them into play and watch to see what happens so that you can become more and more inform- in, you know, informed with mm-hmm. the behaviors that you're seeing and it become a better communicator with your child, a better relationship with your child, and see those improvements happen. So wow. I, I love that it's got both components to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh perfect. Man, I'm high fiving you through this podcast right now. Oh my goodness. That is awesome. I love that. I love that. Okay, so Christy, let's just let's just throw it out there. If a mama or a daddy or a guardian gets the diagnosis that blows their socks off, what piece of advice would you give them?
1: <laughs> um, let's see. I have probably, like, my two biggest things. Okay. My two biggest things. One, um, it doesn't matter what the diagnosis is because the empowered parent is one that will help a child succeed regardless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, it every kid wants the same thing: time, attention, love, and understanding. Mm-hmm. That's that's really what it boils down to. Yeah. So, you know, if they come back with a crazy diagnosis, don't let it scare you. Just learn, mm-hmm. you know, and don't forget that they're still a child. The second thing is, is that, and this is one that I always tell you know the people that I work with, is that you have to track this is where I, my, my science side comes in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you have to track stuff. And I don't mean track a little bit. I don't mean just whenever the mood hits you, like you got to track. If you really want an understanding of what's going on with your child and how to best help them, you have to put it on paper so that you can look at it. Cause I know in, in my world, if something doesn't ring, ding, or buzz, I don't remember it.
0: Right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know,
1: I don't want to think, I'm going to go back and write what happened next last Tuesday at 2 p.m. Because what? I'm not going to remember if I don't do it right then and there. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: but, but what happens is when you start seeing this tracking, you can start seeing very quickly what's happening, what you can do to adjust, and then what the outcome is that of that adjustment. And over time, what looks like teeny tiny steps become huge successes. Right. For you and your child, yeah. and I mean huge. Like when we started, we were at hours, hours and hours and hours of these you know meltdown cycles, and we were moving literally by minutes mm. when we started. But I think we would have given up thinking something wasn't working because it didn't feel like we were making progress. But we were. But we were. We would go from ninety minutes to eighty-five minutes.
0: Yeah. You know, 80 yeah. minutes
1: and we just kept making those little strides.
0: Mhm. Yeah, I love that putting it on paper and just seeing something and you know, I have done that with my uh, oldest two, they're they're typical, but they still have behaviors that are not positive. And so, you know, we would have I would always check that kind of thing, and it became more of a reward system. Like I need five consecutive days of good behavior at school, and then we'll go get froyo or you know something along those lines. But I mean, I think that's great advice for any parent that's looking to just kind of help and see where they can adjust when their kid is, is struggling a little bit. And so for your daughter, you know, her behaviors were something that needed, you know, a different kind of attention. But it's something that you decided needed to be monitored, and for me and my daughters, you know, it was something that I needed them to see. That let's both monitor it. You know, let's both see. You know how we're looking on paper, and once we see a frowny face, I mean, for my girls, they see the frowny face, it's like ooh, you know. And so it looks different for any family, but I I like the idea of tracking. Yeah, that's that's you know, more good good advice. I'm half you again because I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. So listen, I won't keep you all night. I'm just—I'm so excited we got a chance to talk tonight and just really just kind of share with folks some things that we've both seen. I'm grateful that you shared so openly and authentically with everyone because I really think that's the key here. You know, my podcast is really designed just to be shared with the masses, so people that are suffering in silence don't have to suffer alone they need to know that there are other people that might be struggling too or have struggled and overcome so thank you christy for being awesome
1: oh well thank you i really appreciate the opportunity to to share our story with your listeners um it, it's been it's been absolute i could talk to you all night <laughs> I, know, I know i know that like that's exactly my point
0: too i'm like hmm So let's hang up now and then try to get tomorrow (laughs) and talk about some more good stuff. You know, I mean, because it's just, I really do think that we could. I mean, there's so much that we could share. You know, a snippet is just not enough. I mean, it's like, which snippet do you decide that you want to talk about? You know, because, oh, gosh, we have a, a slew of things that we could talk about. But anywho, I will go ahead and wrap up. But again, thank you so much, Christy. You have a wonderful evening, hon. You too. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. I hope you all enjoyed this podcast with Christy today. She was completely transparent and honest with us today, and I really appreciate her for doing that. If you want to read more about what she's doing, find out where you can purchase her book, Making Sense of Munchkin absolutely go to her website. She has a fantastic blog. It can be found at www.makingsenseofmunchkin.com. It's in the show notes as well. Please consider sharing and liking this podcast. The more that you share, the more that you're instilling hope in others that might be suffering in silence. That's all for now.